Hello and welcome to Wine Blast, where we have a laugh about wine, ourselves and many other things from geopolitics to Jenga and beyond. I'm Susie Barry and I'm here with my husband and fellow Master of Wine, Peter Richards, who is also, as of today, a Master of Brevity. <laughs> okay, so that's me told then, is it? I think it might Shut be. Shut up and, and put up. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Um, you know what though? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit scared if I, you know, if I cut out the waffle of what I say, there'll just be nothing left. Oh no. You know, things, things will dry up. Surely not. <laughs> that's never a good place to be, is it? Dry. You know, we, we're allergic to dry, aren't we? I think we, <laughs> oh, seriously. <laughs> But then I guess we've always got an unending supply of that brilliant source of inspiration that is wine. So maybe I'll just um, fall back on that. Uh, Indeed. Either way, we're going to try for a short, sharp show. No real reason other than to see if we can actually do it for once. (laughs) Uh, And of course, to save your precious time, dear lovely listener. But we did want to start actually with two things that really made us laugh yesterday, didn't we? One of them was a message from David who, who sent in our first ever speak pipe question about wine glasses. Uh, which we answered in full, didn't we? Uh, maybe a bit too full. Uh, maybe. Uh, in our last episode, and that maybe is why I've, I've been putting on, on, <laughs> on, on brevity gagging watch. order this <laughs> brevity watch. Uh, so in our last episode, number seven with Paul Hobbs, um, David asked us whether he could be happy with just one kind of wine glass. Because, you know, he's got loads, hasn't he? And, and his wife was unhappy uh, with the cupboard real estate that this was taking up. And, and David wrote to say, many thanks to you both for your brilliant answer to my question on this week's podcast episode. And I'm happy to report all your marital tips were well received. <laughs> I think that more than anything, it was your confession that you have over 40 sets of glasses, I counted, and I've got a mere 18 different types, that helped Catherine to appreciate that things could be even worse here. <laughs> If I was starting out again, I would definitely go the Jancis route. So <laughs> I told you, we should have become marriage guidance counsellors, you know, not masters of wine. Maybe that's that, that true. That was our real well, destiny. We do like to help. So, David, I'm glad we ended up in a good place. Um, mm-hmm. Don't forget, you can star in our podcast too, like David, and get us to answer that burning wine question you've always wanted to ask. Just go to our website, susieandpeter.com, and click on the Speak Pipe I can't say it. Speak pipe. pipe, (laughs) That's ironic, isn't it? Speak pipe, pipe, speak. Speak pipe button. Speak more clearly than I do. Uh, It takes about 20 seconds. So the other thing uh, that made us laugh was a tweet from Andrew, wasn't it? Yeah, that's great. Andrew said, I appreciated your podcast comments about wine glasses. I bought several sets of glasses for red wine and for white wine, then spent 15 long minutes agonising over which to serve rosé in. (laughs) Turns out, didn't really matter. <laughs> I wonder why it didn't really matter. What? I, th- I think, think it's, it's obvious. Do, do <laughs> once, tasted, once the rosé was drunk, it who tasted cared? great from both. And the vase. <laughs> so there he you ended go. Up with, you anyway, know, thank yeah. you, Andrew, for putting everything into perspective mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And talking of perspective, um, and in a desperate attempt to move things on, which is my role today, uh, I've got I've got some perspective too, haven't I? I think you um, might have. Not not my own. I hasten to add, you know, rarely is. But this was from Sophie in China, who I was speaking to, um, who was most interesting in terms of putting our situation here in Europe and the UK, and I guess uh, by extension beyond all countries like us, um, into a bit of perspective. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Sophie Sophie's a wine writer, educator, and consultant, and she's based in Shanghai. And she had quite a bit to say about the current state of affairs in China and also the short term future of wine and the wine 
business there. And she also, uh, well, she also made me chuckle because she has quite a unique way of appreciating her friends. Well, uh, my name is Sophie Liu. I'm based in Shanghai. I'm a wine writer and educator. I have my own wine school called the Vino Sophie Shanghai. Thank you. So, and, and could you perhaps um, tell us where you're talking to us from exactly right now? Just paint us the picture where you are. Yes, I'm home now, and normally I work at home, especially during the coronavirus breakout in China. Everybody is uh, forced to uh, stay at home since the end of January. Uh, so since then, I, I spent uh, two weeks in three weeks time in Italy from end of January until the middle of February. So luckily, I'm out of China during the peak time. And then I come back to China in the St. Valentine's Day. I remember very well, February the 14th. So it seems that the situation in China is getting stable. And uh, I remember the day when my husband picked me up in Shanghai airport. He told me this is the first time he go out, go out of home, because he need to go to the airport to pick me up. But now you said things are getting a little bit uh easier could you just uh, tell us what's happening in in china or in, in shanghai right now i think it's more also on the mentality side so uh, i just told you that uh, we were uh, we were supposed to be at home and with uh, supervision from our residential area so uh, we are not allowed to go out and uh, even though we are on the street i remember end of february uh, maybe for to just uh, take some uh, couriers from from the residential area entrance then we see nobody on the street but now the weather is getting warmer and uh, uh, with the control we saw on the tv that there's no more new coronavirus case in china the only case is from international flights so people feel more relaxed and in some uh, cities in china local government even encourage people to go out to to the restaurant they encourage people to take off their mask. But in Shanghai, uh, it's not so re relaxed, but uh, we still spend most of time at home. But we started to hang out with very close friends to have dinner during the weekend for, for one time, for two times a week, and that's all. And then this weekend, our family uh, plans to go out uh, with another four family to a nearby mountain. This is our first spring out this year. Well, that's very, that's very heartening and encouraging to hear for, for, for us still in, in lockdown. Um, <laughs> what about the wine business? Because you obviously you said you, you run a wine school, among other things you, you, you consult as well. Is, what's happening with the wine business? Is that returning to normal? No, not at all, actually. We are not very optimistic, even, even now, about the wine business because... You know, uh, I just talked with a wine importer, Italian wine importer, who uh, her main sales channel is uh, through the Italian restaurant in Shanghai. She told me that after the Chinese New Year, after she resumed work in the office, and uh, she was told that three of her clients were closed down, who are, which are Italian restaurants in Shanghai. And then her sales revenue is getting down a lot, huge, this year. And I think it's, she's not alone. Many importers told me they have the same problem. Uh, if they sell through national channels, then their clients have problem in selling wine this year, probably because people don't go, go out. Restaurants were closed down until now, so they lose a lot of business. And I think this situation will last 
um, through the whole year until maybe the beginning of next year. And do you think there will be winners and losers, let's say, so the losers maybe being a lot of um, businesses focused on restaurants and bars, um, whereas online operators might be winners in all of this? You know, I mean, I've heard that uh, a quarter of a million Chinese firms have filed for bankruptcy in the last couple of months. Is it, are we going to have some who do well and some who don't? All of us are doing much less than before. Even those who sell not through restaurants, uh, through re- not only retail, but also online as well. I have a friend who's an importer and she, he sells most of her products online. And he tell me that since this year, the sales is getting down a lot. And he's ready to, to lose money for this year. And what about your wine school? I have no wine school this year so far. <laughs> the oh, only right. thing I do this year is have an online uh, wine lesson on Languedoc AOC wine. So this is my only trial this year at, uh, in, the, in the beginning of March. And it works quite well. So now what I'm doing during the past one month is trying to shift my, my physical wine class into online wine class. I, I do a lot of research on the APP, online APP, on direct app so now i'm almost ready so i plan an online one lesson through my own platform so <laughs> that's a big change exactly it's a huge change for me especially physically good luck i hope it goes really well um and my last question um for you sophie is what uh i know you're coming out of quarantine or self-isolation now but what I'm asking this of everyone. What's your ultimate quarantine wine? So, you know, if you could just have one wine and you have to isolate after that, and you can have as much of it as you like, but it's just one wine, what would that wine be? Oh, <laughs> well, it's very difficult because I still drink wine. I drink more wine during the quarantine time. I think we all uh, do, husband, don't we? Exactly. I saw the news that, in U- especially in, in UK, that the the wine delivery business is up by uh, 1,200 percentage. Yeah, that's, that's how we're coping with this, uh, this issue, wine. Yeah, exactly. But I hope the situation is the same in China, but actually not. <laughs> so what do you think people have been doing then? Have they been drinking baijiu or just not drinking at all? Because I know that drinking is a very social activity, isn't it, in China? I think they drink less and they drink less expensive wine now. Because, you know, if they stay at home, they, they probably drink alone. When you drink with friends, you are more, how to say, more sentimental. You open more expensive wine, sometimes to show face, especially for some business banquet, you know, that yeah. you need to show face or business function. But if you drink alone at home, you are more sensitive to price, right? But you're not <laughs> sensitive to price drinking at home, are you? What's your, come on, what's your quarantine wine? Well, I'm quite stable. For me, uh, the the... Coronavirus uh, breakout doesn't change a lot my habit of consuming wine. For example, normally I drink at home with my husband. We open one bottle per meal, and we finish the. Oh, we always finish the bottle. And uh, normally we choose uh, how to say retail price like three hundred yuan, thirty to forty euro wine per meal. So for us, some of the wine we never drink it before. It's a new experiences for us, and we always change. Maybe today we, we, are, we, are more, we are more eager to drink Italian wine than I open a Brunello. Tomorrow we are more, my husband would love to drink a Burgundy. We open a Burgundy village level. So normally in, for drinking Burgundy at home, normally we drink village level. If we go out, hang out with friends, we open Premier Cru. Sometimes very special friend, we open Grand Cru. Uh, 
<laughs> that's the only difference. So, so, so I know if I ever come and visit you, what, what kind of level of friend I am by, by the level of oh, Burgundy village that I get. <laughs> that's a good question to test. The, 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 the weight of your friends in your heart. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I'll solve it by bringing you a Grand Cru. That'd be nice if I can ever afford one. But um, Sophie, thank you so much for, for, for your time. You're welcome, Peter. I hope the UK will be better very soon and the whole Europe will recover very soon, like in China we do. So the obvious question after all that is, how would you rate yourself? Mm. I mean, for example, Peter Richards, are you a Grand Cru, a a Premier Cru, or just a village level of husband? Husband? (laughs) Stakes just got raised. Um, Well, um, I think it's fair to say there is much of the village about me. You know, in many ways, I aspire to, to the village dream but but given this suddenly seems a little bit like a job interview <laughs> i'm gonna need to raise my game so i would put myself at um <clears throat> a quietly ambitious premiere crew you know you know the kind of thing that looks uh you could pick it up maybe slightly on the cheap it looks a bit uh, tatty the label's tatty it looks a bit unpromising vaguely unpromising but 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 when you get stuck in it's surprisingly rewarding you know um, (laughs) very well hidden you know it it still won't do the washing up properly you know Mm. and there still might be an argument at the end of the evening but 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 there will be moments of fun in there I think it's definitely time to move on (laughs) partly because thank goodness we have a drink lined up and something mm. actually interesting to discuss, yeah. don't we? Yes. Yeah. We were we were tasting some wines from Tesco, Britain's biggest supermarket, of mm. course, and one particular bottle made us stop and think this would be good to talk about. Mm. Anyway, this was a bottle of Amarone. So here we are with our bottle of Amarone. Um, just you, me and a bottle again. You know, we've got to stop meeting like this. <laughs> this... This did get us thinking, didn't it, mm. about how often people tell us that they, they like Amarone, but that they don't really understand what it is or or how it's made or even why they like it so much. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we thought, why not take a, a sort of running jump into Amarone, as it were? You know, not literally. That, that would be weird. But, but <laughs> hang on, that would be amazing as well. It would, it would be. be. OK, so, so there's a question to explore briefly. Brief tangent. What... What would be your top three wines to jump into or perhaps bathe in? Uh, would it be uh, champagne for the bubbles? You know, uh, it would have to be, you know. It would, yeah, it would just feel so naughty and decadent, wouldn't it? Oh, I mean, or, or, or it could be a wine like Sauterne or Tokai mm, for that yeah. silky uh, sort of richness. I can see the advert now. Although, I mean, actually, that would get a bit sticky, though, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd spend weeks sticking to the carpet, wouldn't you? Among many other things. And I suppose um, red, actually, reds like Amarone wouldn't actually be any good at all because you'd just come out looking dirtier than you went in. Or, yeah. I mean, or you're, like you'd done 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or even worse, just had a really bad fake tan. <laughs> Anyway, back to the brief. Back to the brief, brevity, back to the brief. Mm. We wanted to throw the spotlight on Amarone today. Mm. And we were were inspired, as we said, by this bottle of Tesco. It was the Tesco finest Amarone della Valpolicella 2016, which is made in collaboration with Cantina Valpantena. And it sells for about £18. So Mm. this gives us our first bit of info. Amarone doesn't or probably shouldn't come cheap. Yeah, yeah. So let's start with the basics, shall we? Um, Amarone is uh, a big, 
hearty, sort of powerful mm. wine made in the DOC Valpolicella in northeast Italy near, um, it's quite near Lake Garda, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I think probably most people know that normal Valpolicella or Valpol, uh, it's typically quite light bodied, mm. it's sort of smells of cherries it's easy fun, drinking it? mm. it's lovely it's light it's gentle it's got a it's got a sort of a bittersweet finish um whereas amarone by contrast is sort of like the turbocharged version of valpolicella yeah yeah i mean i, I guess i like turbocharged uh you know one way of seeing it is is uh, it makes me think of that snail that reference only works with people with, yeah, yeah, with, with, with kids well, who watch it. Or people with certain viewing habits. And, or, but thinking of the viewing habits thing, you know, if, you could make the comparison. If, if Val Policella is, is like uh, Bruce Banner, then, then Amarone is the Incredible Hulk. Do you like that? Like it. Yeah. So, 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 you know, same guy, yeah. same beast, essentially, but one of them is just altogether more muscly and big and powerful. Mm. You know, I'm not saying Amarone is green. I think that's where my analogy <laughs> falls down. But you know, I hope not. It's certainly a kind of beefy version of 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 the same beast. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I suppose the question is, how is Amarone made? Well, let's look at it. The same grapes are used for both Valpolicella and. Amarone, and those are Corvina, Rondinella, Corvignone, mm, and good, good, good MW memories uh, there. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, good memories. Cutting. I don't know about that. <laughs> few others as well. The Italians, goodness knows what, what they, they, they probably throw, they throw, throw some a few other others things, in. Um, they, occasionally, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but with Valpolicella, it's a relatively normal red winemaking process. But with Amarone, the difference here, the grapes are dried or raisined after the harvest mm. in special these sort of special drying lodges, and then they're fermented and then aged in oak barrels or vats. Mm, mm. So, you know, and that, that, I think that is the key to Amarone, isn't it? The fact that the, the, the grapes are dried. Absolutely. Um, and because that's what dictates, it, you know, everything from, from its style to its taste to the alcohol level, you yeah. know, and also its price, actually, because I guess in the first instance, drying the grapes, you know, before you make the wine the major effect is the quantity of liquid you get out of them goes right down because because the water has evaporated off you know hence the price going up because because you just get less less out of them less liquid um but you know drying the grapes also concentrates the sugars hence alcohol in the final wine do you know you know amarone is one of the few wines to to have a legal minimum alcohol level you know 14 percent 14% 14% yeah um, so you know this one wow. is what is um, well, the, actually this 15 and a half yeah, yeah 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 you know, and that's uh, not unusual no I don't so, think it is um, so um, you know but of course the, I think the most important thing that drying the grapes does is, is to give Amarone that, that incredibly sort of complex mm. you know rich as we can taste here scented sort of flavours and aromas which are a combination of I don't know um, chocolate uh, yeah. tobacco you know cherry jam all, yeah, all those kind of wild things. herbs yeah mm. yeah so, so it is it's big and it's rich and in some senses for rich people, given the price tag. <laughs> um, but it also it also has a hint of sweetness, but it's beautifully bittersweet, which I think is why people like mm. it. It's not cloying. Yeah. And actually the word amaro is Italian for bitter. Nice. Did you know that? Nice. Good Linguist nice. in the house. Oh, love this, love this. You're just um, pretending you well, didn't no, know I, that. I, I, I vaguely. It's a very similar <laughs> word in Spanish, actually, uh, and French. Um, but, you know, um, one thing I, I definitely didn't know, um, and, and which I learned from the Bible that is the Oxford Companion uh, to Wine, um, 
is that Amarone hasn't always been popular. I didn't know that. I thought this just no. a you know, historic wine style that's been here forever and, and it's been yeah. you know, always sort of really popular in its own sort of vaguely niche way. But apparently it's only been made in commercial quantities since the 1950s. Um, really? You know, and only really took off uh, at the start of the 21st century, uh, so not that long ago. Um, mm. And so much so that its success meant the annual production of normal Valpolicella has taken a real hit. You know, apparently that has declined from 41 to 19 million hectolitres between 2005 and 2013. Wow. So, um, and, and, you know, apparently Amarone's big in certain areas. It's, it's Scandinavia, Germany mm-hmm. and the US. You know, oh. in, a, in a way that like, like David Hasselhoff is big in Japan. <laughs> what on earth has that got to do with Amarone? Uh, Sorry. Absolutely Sorry. nothing. Mm. Well, and the only other thing to say, actually, another thing to say, we another style we like mm. is Valpolicella Ripasso, yeah. which is um, sort of like a... It's kind of a halfway house between normal light-bodied Valpolicella and then the rich Amarone. It's not as expensive as Amarone. And apparently, again, Ripasso has actually become much more popular over the past few years. Yeah, I think people may be gravitating towards sort of bigger, richer wines naturally with the new I world. Think and to whatnot. some extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, and I think it's also important to say that, you know, as ever in wine, quality of Amarone varies. It can be uh, inspiring and it can be a bit dodgy. So, you know, you've just got to produ- choose your producer w- with care, mm. you know. And, and this one, in the meantime, is going down pretty well. <laughs> it's going down very well. So, well so, so, okay, so final question. Master of Brevity speaks. Oh. When would you drink this? Um, oh. And what would you drink it with? Oh, God, put me on the spot. So, um, <laughs> fine. Okay. Apart from right here, right now. Okay, you? right, Obviously, yeah. Um, Obviously, your dream the village husband. Um, okay, right, with two options. Um, either in the depths of winter mm. with um, a big venison casserole and a big pile of creamy mashed potato, oh, you know, like a proper no. big, lovely supper that, mm. that I think it would just be brilliant with. Um, or opposite end of the year, completely different on a lovely summer's evening with some barbecued ribeye steak. Oh, yeah. So I'm going... I'm afraid yeah. I'm going totally carnivore on this one. Yeah, well, OK, really. Can you give us a non-carnivore option? I can actually, yeah, yeah, no, it would be fantastic, fantastic if we go properly Italian with a wild mushroom and Parmesan risotto, maybe with just a hint of truffle, if you like that too. You've always got to throw a bit of truffle in there, haven't you? Absolutely. So with those delicious thoughts, we will bid you a fond farewell. If you've got any ideas about uh, which wines you'd like, to, to bathe in or, or perhaps more serious wine questions then please do get in touch either via our website susieandpeter.com forward slash podcast or via social media we're on instagram as susieandpeter or on twitter as wine schools for me and susie barry for her as ever all the show notes are on our website if you like what you've heard please do subscribe as we have lots more controversy and mm. deliciousness lined up if you're feeling really nice you might leave a rating and a review and for all of this and for listening we say a huge thank you and cheers <laughs>